You're listening to the Touchdown Under podcast with Jack, Emilian, Anthony, and Arif. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Touchdown Under podcast. I'm Jack, your host, and as always, I'm joined by Emilian. Hey, how's it going? Anthony, good to be here. And Arif by Zoom. Great to be here. Today is episode 25 of the TDU podcast, a mini milestone. Mm-hmm. Um, we have just wrapped up week nine of the NFL season and it was another big week in the league as usual. And um, one of the big talking points was the Buccaneers' shock defeat at the hands of New Orleans at home. And it kind of it's kind of rocked the NFC South title race, boys. Yeah, I don't think, I think most people going into this game obviously predicted the Bucs to win. But even those who would have predicted the Saints to win, I don't think anyone would have predicted how much, how dominant they looked. They looked absolutely incredible. The Bucs were terrible. I, I believe that's Brady's biggest defeat ever, or one of them at least. Has to be. Um, yeah, and it's really interesting to know going forward now that the Saints have a 2 nothing head-to-head advantage over the Bucs. So... They're well within their own right to win the NFC South now. Yeah, it's important to note that this is the first time in Tom Brady's career that he has been shut out by a team in the same division in the um, uh, NFL season. When by shutout, do you mean that he hasn't scored yeah. a touchdown? Because they did score three. No, I mean, sorry, I meant like they, they lost both legs of the um, of the um, you know, playing against him in the division. So oh, okay. Good. Yeah. You've yeah. done before in the AFC against, you know, the Dolphins, Jets, yeah. or the Bills. It's happened finally, his first career with the Buccaneers. So it's a milestone that. A lot of people who for, I reckon. <laughs> the Saints really forced the Bucks and especially Brady into some uncharacteristically bad decision-making. We saw on some of his picks, I mean, they were on, on fourth down, but they were still quite appalling. And yeah, Emilian, the, the Saints really do have a good chance. I mean, we thought maybe they'd have to go through the wild card round to get in, but, you know, it's, it's looking possible that they might actually get a division title. Yeah, that's right. Obviously, it was a big win for the Saints because if the Bucks won, they would have gone to 7-2 and two and the Saints would have been at 5-3. and three. And It would have been tough for the Saints to come back and win the title, um, that division title, from that deficit. So it was a massive win. And now, just like that, they are 2-0 on the uh, head-to-head and it is certainly going to be a long road back for the Bucks if they are to win the NFC South. Now, um, another major talking point this week in the league was the Miami Dolphins, who are just continuing to impress um, after they beat the Cardinals uh, in Arizona um, in, a t- in, a, in a, t- a really tight, entertaining game. Um, Tua is 2-0 as the Dolphins starter, and they just look really um, composed on both offensive defense. Yeah, definitely. I think that game obviously started with that defensive touchdown. By the Dolphins, and the same way uh, as they started last week, the Dolphins they've got that defensive touchdown against the Rams, so they're in good form as well. So, you know, whenever you've got a defense that's really stepping up the way the Dolphins are, it makes the job of the quarterback, especially in this situation, you know, the rookie tour, you know, makes the job easy. So, he's been able to really showcase his talent um, behind that offense. That's also, you know, they've, they've been doing really well as, as well. They're well balanced, and that game against the Cardinals was really close, and you know, the Cardinals are ugly. Should have taken that overtime that missed field goal late in the game. So that's, they'll go down one of the top five games of the season, I think. It's early on. So it's halfway through the season now. We'll, we'll, there's plenty of 
know, better games to come. But that was a really good showcase of the talent of the Dolphins defense and their offense. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. I did mention last week, since the Dolphins were my team to watch, I did say that the defense really needs to take some pressure off of Tua because he is a rookie. He's only played. Yeah. This, this was his second game starting, right? So you can't expect him to win games for the team, and the defense has very well helped him in that regard. That being said, I do think while the Dolphins are making a very strong case for the playoffs, I can't see them doing well in the playoffs. I think there's just too much experience up now, um, but very promising for the future of the franchise uh, over the next, I don't know how many years, if Tua continues to grow and develop and get more comfortable in that offense. Um, on to the first segment for today's episode, and that is the power rankings. And kicking it off at number 32 is the New York Jets. At 31 is the Jaguars. The uh, Washington football team are at 30. The Cowboys remain at 29. And the Giants move up to 28 um, after their resounding win over Washington. Now, um, I'll agree with the point with you guys. Obviously, the NFC East is still... You know, anyone's game at this point, it's too early to tell, you know, a lot of teams, um, well, all four teams look, you know, like the, each each team has holes on both sides of the ball. So it's really hard to say who is really the front runner. Obviously, the Eagles look like the front runner, but it's still quite early in the season. And I think if New York um, beat Philadelphia this week, do they have any hope of winning the NFC Easter? I still think they can. I mean, they've shown the last couple of weeks that they have the potential and it also really helps that the NFC East in general is performing quite poorly at the moment. So yeah, they're every chance. Yeah, it's interesting to note um, the Giants have done well in their division games. They're 2-0 against the Washington football team now and they beat the Cowboys earlier on. So now if they beat the Eagles as well, they can't lose any of their head-to-head matchups for the rest of the season, right? And that I think is what's going to really be the difference in who wins the division and who doesn't. So Giants being the Eagles here, I would say, I would, I could comfortably say they're the front runner if they do beat the Eagles this week. At 27 of the Lions, the Bengals are at 26 and the Atlanta Falcons are at 25. Now, the Falcons have won three out of their last four games and um, a couple of those wins have come after um, the Falcons fired uh, their head coach, Dan, uh, former head coach, Dan Quinn. Do we think their season is still alive? Have you looked at their schedule? Um, yeah. <laughs> it, it's a monster schedule. They play the Saints, then the Raiders, then the Saints again, then the Chargers, then the Bucks, then the Chiefs, then the Bucks. For me, there's no yeah. way in hell they win most of the games. They really had to... If I'm a Falcons fan going into this season, I look at the schedule, I see the first eight weeks, I'm saying we have to win the majority of these games yeah. in order to make the playoffs this year. They didn't, and now they're in... If they can, If they can somehow make the playoffs after this run... That has to be one of the most impressive things I'll, I'll ever see because that is a monster run and it's going to be insanely difficult for them to win even half of those games. Yeah, so after the week five, the Falcons were 0-5, making them 1-5 after that first win against Minnesota in week six. You have to, to make the playoffs in the NFL, you have to have a complete season. You can't just go, it's very rare to see Atlanta in a situation like this that they're in, go and make the playoffs, even a like wild card or anything. I, I, I'd be really unrealistic from here to expect the Falcons to make the playoffs. If they did, it'd be something miraculous yeah. and be against the, the numbers. So I think, unfortunately, Falcons fans, I don't, I don't think it's going to happen, but I'd like to see people prove me wrong, though. 
I'm sure they'd really be kicking themselves in that those first few weeks of the season, all those losses they had, especially that one against the Cowboys. I mean, one of those Falcons guys could have easily just picked up that ball and the game would have been over on that onside kick. So they'll be really upset with that. But you really hit the nail on the head there. Their, their schedule is way too difficult. And not to mention the potential teams that could be coming from the NFC West who will also be wanting one of those wild card spots. So it's going to be way too tough, I reckon. Yeah, yeah, that's right, Arif. Um, that loss against the Cowboys, you kind of set their tone for the season. Um, a win um, on that day would have been really important and crucial for the season. I feel like if they won that game, then maybe for these outcomes where they lose, uh, you know, at the death, uh, you know, go the other way. Because if, yeah. if they let out the win um, later on, early in the season, then it doesn't, you know, it's not like it's continuing trends that has been um, this season so far. You talk about the wild card spots this season. It is worth mentioning that um, NFL owners did agree to um, add two more playoff teams this season uh, in the playoffs if regular season games are to be cancelled due to the coronavirus. So, you know, theoretically, if if um, the state of affairs in America right now with the coronavirus does get worse and we do see games getting cancelled, then um, we're likely to see two more teams, one in the AFC and one in the NFC, um, which should uh, then make four wildcard teams in each conference. So, you know, I guess their season is technically still alive, but they're going to have to beat um, these really good teams with any sort of chance. I agree on that. So I assume the format that's set for that, if it was to happen, would be the first seed will play the eighth seed. So you have the top team in the AFC playing... Oh, no, unless they... I'm not sure. Unless they give the first the advice to the first two seasons, then you have the third season. Yeah, that makes sense. But either way, it'd be a long road to the Super Bowl for that to make it. I'm not sure what I'm seeing, but that is a concept that has been um, agreed to by all NFL owners. So um, the Panthers come in at 24, the Broncos are at 23, uh, the LA Chargers are at 22, the 49ers come in at 21, the Texans are at 20, and the Vikings are up to 19. They, um, they're three and five on the season right now. They have had some really good recent form. However, they've been against lesser opponents generally, but what do we make of this recent good form by the Vikings? Because at three and five, you know, the season isn't over yet and they have, they've been playing like one of the, you know, better three and five teams in recent memory. Well, two words, Dalvin Cook. Um, He has been absolutely tearing teams apart. And it's interesting though, it was against the Packers and Lions the last two weeks, two, big division rivals. They've got the Bears coming up this week. If they manage to beat the Bears this week, that means they'll have um they'll have good records against their division opponents. So, you know, I don't I don't think playoffs are really there for them this year. I think there's just too much competition in the NFC North and the rest of the NFC. But it's very promising to know how 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 good Dalvin Cook is and how how much they really need to focus on him being the core of that offense. They've got to have um they've got to make changes at quarterback in the future. But They've got a solid foundation on offense, and it's also the defense that needs a lot of work. But you know they've been impressive the last few weeks. Yeah, and the you know the, the team is um it's 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 coming. Their performance a lot better now. They've got the run game sorted out. It's definitely the centerpiece of their offense. There's no question about it. And so they just put off that. So yeah, I like the Falcons. They I don't think it's realistic for them, but they should finish the season off well better than they started. It. So that's a good sign at least. Yeah, I agree with your point, Emilian. Obviously, Dalvin Cook is the same as that offense. He is another one rushing there right now, and I believe he's the best running back in the game. He is also um, second in the league in scrimmage yards behind Alvin Kamara. So it's a good company there, and 
Yeah, I mean, you've got guys like Derek Henry and Ezekiel Elliott, but I think right now, do we agree that he's the best running back in the league? Yeah, I'd say it's yeah. either him or Alvin Kamara, but I do agree right now. Dalvin Cook is doing a lot more, a lot less. He's number one rushing, yeah. Um, yeah, rushing yards in the league, so that stats also would agree with you. <clears throat> at 18 of the Patriots, the, the Eagles are at 17, the Bears at 16, Rams are at 15, the Colts drop down to 14, the Cleveland Browns come in at 13, the Dolphins are up to 12, and at 11, we have the Las Vegas Raiders who have really defined expectations so far this season. You know, they're keeping those tough games. You know, they won a tough one in Cleveland and now they um, they staved off the LA Chargers in Los Angeles. Boys, how far can they go in 2020? Um, well, I definitely think they'll make the wildcard round. I, I do truly think they are a wildcard team right now. And depending on who they play, it's going to be tough because I see them getting that seventh, seventh spot. So that means they have to play the Chiefs or the Steelers or potentially the Ravens, you don't know. That's going to be a tough game. But I do believe that we've seen a lot bigger upsets in the playoffs before. So I think their ceiling is the divisional round. That's how far they can go. I don't think it's necessarily they will, but that's how far they can go. Well, the Raiders at the moment, they're one of four teams that can't be five and three in the NFC. They got Baltimore at six and two. So the wild cards, you know, the wild card um, seating is pretty wide open at the moment. It's the middle yeah. of the season. There's a long way to go. The Raiders have showed, they showed that they can kind of clutch in big games, which... Part of being a good team is yeah, winning the games you should, but also winning those games that are tight. So the finishing games, well, that's really good for them. So I should expect them to, you know, see in the playoffs. Yeah. I don't know if they get a win, but they, they, they should make. I I think the Raiders are a potential wildcard team at this point in time. However, I don't really see them going too far in the playoffs. I mean, yeah, they have been able to grind out those tight wins, but it really came down to that last play, obviously, against the Chargers. And if that didn't go their way, then that division, I mean, the Chargers would have had that game on the Raiders and it would have been a bit different, but we'll see how they go for the rest of the season. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, Emilian, you brought up earlier about the Dolphins in the playoffs and their inexperience in the team. Um, I feel like experience could be the difference between which teams in the AFC do make these wildcard spots. Obviously, Derek Carr is an older quarterback than both uh, Tua Tagovailoa and um, Baker Mayfield. So you think about like poise from experienced quarterbacks late in the season. I feel like it bodes well for the Raiders, you know, compared to the Browns who have been out of playoffs for years and, you know, the Dolphins who've been um, down the bottom of the AFC use as well. So I think um, they are definitely front runners along with the Colts for a couple of those um, playoff spots in the AFC. We have the Titans at 10, the Cardinals at 9, and the Seahawks who are dropped down to number 8 in our rankings. They were, I guess, relatively held instead by the Buffalo Bills um, on the weekend. I, I think I think the, the question for them is how much will their defence hold them back this season when their offence is you know, held by good defences? Obviously, when the Buffalo Bills isn't a great defence, they don't have a great defence, but they did play reasonably well against the Seahawks on the weekend. And towards the end of the season and during the playoffs, you know, they're going to be against good defences. And so when the defences do stop their offence sometimes, can the Seahawks defence step up and stop the other team? In previous games, that the Seahawks defence is very bent but don't break mentality. Like, when the game is on the line, they're able to make a stop when it's needed. But the 
problem is that the Bills were always leading ahead and the Seahawks were never really put in a position where the defense had to step up um, really to seal the game or something like that. And it's interesting to note because the, the defensive players on the Seahawks, like the defense got seven sacks on Josh Allen. That's a pretty good feat. It's just the, the, the defensive coordinator, Ken Norton, has to go. He's not using the players to their full potential. And we've seen what these players can do individually. I mean, uh, Jamal Adams, he brings so much to the team, but the scheme itself is just not really letting the Seahawks defense thrive. And it is going to cost the Seahawks some games in the future, as it just has with the Bills. And it did with the Cardinals a few weeks ago. So seven sacks on the game for the Seahawks. Yeah, and they also put up forty-four points. Yeah, that that says something. If if yeah, if, if you're a player, you see like your performance yeah, and you do you, and you play numbers like that. That's not that's not too far away from being a franchise record sacks in a game. Like, wouldn't be that far off. So that's yeah. It, it's just yeah. The, the the defensive backs were playing way too. They were playing in soft coverage. Yeah. it just allowed Josh Allen to get the ball out way too quickly, and yeah. it's just not good. Horrific. Exactly. They do have the players, Emilian. You're exactly right. They have the players. It's more about the play calling. They're playing really soft zone defense at the moment, especially in the secondary. In fact, it was really embarrassing to see how far away their defenders were from some of those receivers. That being said, I think they really have found themselves pass rushing wise. I think this was a great game, especially they, they found a really handy veteran in Carlos Dunlap sending him over from Cincinnati. So that part of the game they sorted out, it's now about their coverage, I reckon. Yeah, it will be interesting to see as the season goes on. Obviously, since, you know, guys like Cam Chancellor, Bell Thomas, have just been departed and Legion have kind of came to a close. It's been more of an offense first um, in Seattle. So, you know, I, I think for them to go potentially to the role, we're going to have to, we're going to, have to see a better performance from um, the guys in their secondary more than anything, I think. Mm -hmm. On to number seven, we have the Bills. The, the Packers are at six after their big win. The Buccaneers obviously dropped down to number five and the Saints up to number four. And as we talked about earlier, it's a massive win in the context of that division race. Mm -hmm. Do we think um, the Saints are going to be able to keep this lead on the Buccaneers in this NFC South race? I think this is very unpopular opinion because whenever you go to, an, to you know, up two wins against, you know, head-to-head -head in the division, you're more, you're more unlikely to win it. But I still think the Buccaneers have that the ability to definitely make a late charge. Well, not late charge, they can come in clutch moments, I think. I think I will go as far to say that that was, I think the game against the Saints on, on, uh, on Monday, that, that was something that, won't happen very often for the Buccaneers. I think what we saw against them against the Packers is I think what we're more used to seeing from the Buccaneers. So to go up, you know, to, to be down what was it, 33 to zero late in the fourth, I don't think we'll see many comes again by the Buccaneers. So I think they'll finish the season strongly. You know, they've got AB, and their offense is clicking up you now in the last game. So I think I'll think they'll just they'll pick up the momentum again. They'll pick up the form. And I reckon they'll win this division. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned Antonio Brown. I think a big reason of the loss um this week, like this past week, it was definitely just the chemistry between Brady and Brown just wasn't there. Oh, Brady's second or second pick, I believe, maybe first or second. Um, it wasn't really just a miscommunication for Brown, and it cost them big time. But um, yeah, I, I think the Saints are definitely the front runners. Both teams have a relatively easy schedule going ahead um, in the final stretch of the season. They both play the Chiefs, so if one of the if one of them is able to beat that team, they really can establish themselves as a powerhouse team. But I, I don't see the Saints really blowing this lead in the division when they have one less loss and a head-to-head -head record right now. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, it will, 
I will say Tumbletown. That's a really good point you brought up with the schedule, Emilian. I feel like the only – it's really on the Saints really now because the only t- really tough team they play is are the Chiefs. I mean, they, they get to play the injured Niners next week, the Falcons twice, you know, teams like the Broncos and Eagles who haven't been doing so well. So it's really on them if they can keep this lead. They can't be relying on the Bucks to lose or anything like that. Yeah, I think it's an interesting point. I don't think the Saints will lose this division. I think they'll win it. But it's interesting because I think that the Buccaneers are built for the postseason with this roster. So I can definitely see that them not winning this division, but then going and progressing further than the Saints in the playoffs. As we talked about before the season started, the Saints have kind of um, let themselves and their fans down recently in recent years in the playoffs um, in key stages. So I think that is a factor. Um, obviously, you've got, a, you know, a, a, a guy in Tom Brady who, you know, he wins all the time. So in, in the playoffs, when the games matter most, I think he's a guy that you want um, within your team. Obviously, Antonio Brown just coming over, he is going to need some time to adjust. He's got miscommunication throws with Tom Brady. Um, give him a few weeks and he'll be fine. Same with that offense. Um, the defense is fine as well. I honestly feel like they will go further than the Saints in the playoffs. Maybe not in season, but that's not what matters um, as long as they get in. So um, I can see them going further than the Saints for sure. It's a good point about wrapping up on the Buccaneers. Look at their roster, especially on offense. They have no holes. They're solid at tight end. They're solid. They're very solid at wide receiver. They're solid at running back and quarterback. The defense is arguably better than their offense. So that's why I think that they will eventually take over in this division. Even with their head-to-head record, I think they'll win it. So I think the Buccaneers still, yeah, like you said, Jack. Really great. They're, they're definitely pumped to be a postseason dominant team. Yeah, I think you want to pick one hole in their offense, you know, just one, because obviously there aren't many, but mm-hmm. I think one hole for them would be when pass protection breaks down, there is a complete lack of mobility at quarterback, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So I think there's going to be a lot of onus on the offensive line to um, keep Brady uh, protected because once that pocket breaks down, he's gone. Yeah. Exactly. It's, uh, that's a really good point, Jack. And it's 100% like, a win now team like not only is it their their players it's just really their, their financial capabilities as well their cap space they've, they've used up all that cap space on bringing these established veterans and after this season they're not they're probably going to struggle in that department a bit money wise and you're completely right this, this is a playoff built team and they're going to really want to push for a super bowl berth this season that's right. At three, the Ravens and the Steelers are still at two and the Chiefs are still at one. That wraps up our power rankings going into week 10 of the NFL season. We're going to move on to our next segment on today's episode. That is Anthony's Q&A. Anthony, the first question. Um, are the Ravens... What the same... Not just this season, in the postseason, but like the last couple of years, where they've been against the Chargers at home, against the Titans, they haven't stepped up against good teams. And that's been a theme that has carried on into the season in 2020. And we saw it firsthand against the Chiefs earlier on. And against the Steelers two weeks ago, they got dominated by defense. And the Steelers' defense just completely took out the game on offense for the Ravens. And they, you know, they're going to need to win those games if they want to get deep into the playoffs. There's, Every single Baltimore fan out there is, is, would have the same concerns. And whilst they are six and two, they got the Steelers are seven and zero above them at the moment. Sorry, eight and zero, I believe. 
um, yeah, they, they, that's a big concern for them. They're, they're more than capable. So I think at the moment, I would consider them overrated just by looking at the schedule they've got and the teams that they've lost to. All right, Anthony, who will win the NFC South? Yeah, so we kind of alluded to this before. I still think the Buccaneers will win it, even though they've got that, you know, they're kind of fallen behind a bit on the Saints at the moment. The Bucs are six and three, whereas the Saints are six and two. And I think, you know, as mentioned before, I reckon there's just, there aren't too many holes on that offense. And, you know, that defense is arguably better than their, their offense. So, they're a team that's really, you know, they're primed for the playoffs. They've got their, all players have got their, you know, their sights in the playoffs. And I think one point they've got their sights in the Super Bowl. And I think with the, yeah, we got, with the big games coming up like the Chiefs later on the season, I think, I think the Buccaneers are more position, better positioned to beat the Chiefs and the Saints are, I think. Both teams are good. Like you've given that, they've got the, their strengths, at, at, you know, for Alvin Kamara, that's a big strength for Michael Thomas' back. But I think just the players the Buccaneers have on offense, will, I think they'll just prove to be the better team. So, Anthony, were you talking about the Saints' schedule and how many, um, or I guess an easier run home um, for the season? Obviously, the Bucks are really good, but that doesn't really matter anything if the Saints keep winning. Do you think the Saints are going to drop some of these games against easy teams? Yeah, I think so. I think, I mean... Who are you saying losing to? I think the Chiefs. I think... Before... I think uh, when the Saints play in their week 14 matchup, sorry, week 15 matchup, um, I, I just will drop. And I think is even if it's away, uh, you know, wherever that game can be held against the Chiefs, even if it is at Arrowhead, I think they can still come away with a win. I just really like what they're doing on offense, even though they did get smashed this week. I just think they will be the better team overall this season. Yeah, even sorry, I have to disagree with you. Even if the Saints lose to the Chiefs and the Bucks win, it's it's an interconference game. It doesn't matter in the grand scope of things. The yeah, Saints have the two and two orient advantage over the Bucks, and I can't see the Saints really losing any of these easy games. I feel like the Bucks are more likely to lose easy games than the Saints, and I feel like if you bring up the Chiefs, I, I do believe that the Bucks have a better chance of beating the Chiefs than the Saints, but it doesn't matter if the Saints can win yeah, those other games. Yeah, I understand. I just. I completely understand the things you point out about how it's kind of they're kind of the back foot to win this division. I understand that's completely reasonable. I just feel like, like you mentioned as well before, Jack, that this team is positioned to go deep into the playoffs. And even if they don't get that division title, they'll still potentially go further into the playoffs in a sense. So I just think that come late in the season, even with even though that you've got all these issues with having to beat, you know, get to what the Saints can break up. I just think the Bucs need to find a way to do it. That's just what I think. It's, yeah. It's I, I agree. I think that um, they will have a better chance of being the Chiefs just because they are playing in Tampa Bay rather than at Arrowhead. But I agree with you in that. Um, I think even if I do win that, the Saints aren't going to lose too many games going forward because their offense is just so, um, like, well-schemed. And it, it's got... The, the, their offense, offensive scheme um, run by Sean Payton is has very few faults. Um, obviously, yeah. Drew Brees, if there's ever throw the ball too far or too much, you know, they're sending weapons and This is all without Michael Thomas. Once he comes back, it's going to be really tough to contain um, such an organised offence. Yeah. All right, um, next question for you, Anthony. Uh, even if Russell Wilson is throwing most of the time, is Chris Carson crucial to the team's success? I think... 
Yeah, I think, I think it is. I think it is crucial. I think we've seen the Seahawks the last couple of weeks. Should get that, that Arizona game where Russell, sorry, where Wilson was put in that position where you were, you were making awkward throws. I think any situation where that's happening, you have a running back, like a solid running back like Chris Carson to even it up and to take that edge off on those like, really crucial games. In those crucial times, it, it, it makes all the difference. And the Seahawks, they're a team that can definitely make, obviously, prime to make the playoffs and go, you know, get close to the Super Bowl. So I think Chris Carson, him being healthy, him being able to, you know, give, give uh, Wilson a break, it's crucial. And Wilson's a quarterback that definitely has the ability to, if, if there was any uh, team in any offense that had, you know, Wilson as the quarterback that didn't really have to rely on a running back, I think, that, I think his arm, his throwing game with the receivers he's got, he's, he's able to, you know, work his magic. He's a good, he's a good receiver. Good quarterback. And so I think Chris Carlson is still, still essential. Yeah. It's still essential. And they kind of ask, do you think, because um, <clears throat> obviously Wilson is, you know, the be-all the, the end-all of that offense. If he's not there, Nothing's there, right? So, exactly. but the thing is, I think Chris Carson is replaceable with an offense personally because you've got guys who can step in in Carlos Hyde and Travis Hunter if need be. And I feel like, personally, they can do um, a similar job with Wilson still performing at a very high level. I don't think that Chris Carson is crucial to the offense, considering that Russell Wilson is, you know, the guy there. So, I'll ask you, do you much better do you think Chris Carson really is than? About like Carlos Hyde. I mean, when you got when you got Wilson there, like it's also shown us in the past that they 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 have out, they have the, the, the diversity in the, in their run game. It has worked. Like that, it, it, like Carlos Hyde has has come in and has you know stepped up when they need to, and so has players like Homer and you know and in Dallas and like you know, recent weeks in recent weeks. But I think Chris Carson has been there the longest, and he's been the most consistent when he's been there. So I think just given that. You're looking at all the running backs in there. So you just look at the Carlson. He's just like, yeah. But yeah, obviously, that's the. So that making crucial? I think it does make crucial, yeah. Just the consistency. I also like to bring up that, like, I, I also believe he's essential, but not just because of that kind of consistency. Carson brings something that, like, not many running backs in the league right now have and and that's like the kind of low center of gravity that he has like it reminds me a lot of Marshawn Lynch it's obviously we got Alvin Kamara who's good at it players like Hyde and especially like the rookie DJ Dallas and Travis Homer like they don't really have that kind of low center of gravity where they can where you can always kind of count on them to break that first tackle I feel like Carson has that ability and in a game such as the one against Arizona when he got injured early, you could really see that he would have put that game to bed on that final drive. Carlos Hyde wasn't able to break some of those tackles that we are used to Carson seeing. So in that respect, I do think he's a crucial part of that offense. Ruth, do you think having a low center of gravity for a running back is rare? Because you said you don't think many running backs have a low center of gravity. It's just like, it, it, it's hard to say. I, I personally think it's fairly rare to have his kind of tackle-breaking ability. The running backs, the only running backs I can think of on the top of my head that can break tackles like Carson can are Derek Henry. Oh, I'm talking about breaking tackles. No, it's like, it's, I mean, it, it's kind of related, though, when you think about it. Like, 
I know obviously they're all they're, they're all built to have kind of a low center of gravity, but like also in terms of breaking tackles, I think that Carson is up there as one of maybe like five running backs in the league who have that kind of ability, consistently able to do that kind of stuff. Look, when it comes to breaking tackles, people may or may not agree with, but what Carson brings is that he always fights with those extra yards, and that's what's important in these crucial situations. You brought up the Cardinals uh, game on that final drive where they ran it three times straight with Carlos Hyde. If Carson was out, I agree, that would have been gone straight to bed because we, the Seahawks are definitely missing a lot of power running. They haven't had Carson with um, past three weeks, and it really shows and it hurt their run game. And the Bills shot out, and Bills basically shut down Russell Wilson. Yeah. Okay. And there was no run game to help him. DJ Dallas did not get it done. If Carson was in that game, we could have definitely seen a completely different offensive output. Um, and I do think Carson just brings so much more to that offense. I do believe he is the second most valuable player to that offense right now. It's just throughout my question, I think the point you just brought up was very relevant. I think the definition of how I like that is crucial because. When you're in the playoffs and you have a you know high intensity you know um, team, you know, high tackling is crucial. Someone has a low center of gravity can break tackles, and it's been that system for you know for a long time. It's consistent. That's crucial. So your point makes it even more proves that he's even more crucial than I first initially said. So yeah. Yeah, obviously some backs are better at breaking tackles than others, but I feel like having a low center of gravity is something that pretty much all running backs have. I don't think you're running back in this league you don't have a low center of gravity. Obviously, the two things go hand in hand, but. I think all running backs have low center of gravity, but not all running backs have, you know, a really good tackle breaking ability. So I agree. I think Carson is a guy who is an above average tackle breaker, but I think you find that most running backs have low center of gravity. That is Anthony's Q&A for this week, and we're going to move into multi-madness. And, um, yeah, we've been unsuccessful in the last few weeks. Um, we're on a bit of a skid right now, but... Kicking off our five legs for this right now um, is Las Vegas to beat Denver at Allegiant Stadium. Obviously, we talked about the Raiders um, winning tough games, um, their experience at quarterback, and just their overall good play of the team this season. Um, personally, I think they've overachieved in my eyes. So, I, I think to beat Denver at home, I think it's a pretty uh, easy ask, personally. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Denver's a team that's not in the best form. So, and the Raiders are coming off that great winning against the Chargers. So I think this is an easy option for us, yeah. Our second leg is Miami to beat the Chargers at Hard Rock Stadium. We know how um, much the Chargers have struggled to close out most games, especially when they've had the lead. So I feel like um, in Miami against the Dolphins, who are you know one of the form side of the league right now, um, especially you know on both of defense, I feel like um, the Dolphins are you know going to be pretty hard to beat at Hard Rock Stadium. I, think yeah, I feel like they could really force the rookie into some bad decisions, especially how well they're playing on defense at the moment. I mean, I mentioned all those additions in last week's episode, and they stepped up once again last week against Arizona. So I'll be looking for them to fairly comfortably win against Los Angeles. Yeah, that's a good point, Arif. Um, uh Honestly, I don't think Herbert will struggle too much. I feel like it could be like a shootout type of game, but at the end of the day, not into their defense, and I think that they um, will be able to close out a uh, win there. Our third leg is the Ravens to beat the Patriots at Gillette Stadium. Personally, I think it's a risky one just because, you know, the Patriots got a good comfort behind a win last week, and, you know, back at home, Lamar Jackson hasn't been too flash this season as compared to seasons past. 
So, you know, and we just talked about how the Ravens could possibly be a little bit overrated. So, at Gillette Stadium, I feel like, I mean, I'm speaking the Ravens, but what I'm saying is that this, you know, is one of the riskier picks, I think, this week. Yeah, definitely. If the Ravens want to prove that they're a team that is going to go to the playoffs and they're going to go far like they should, because they are a good team, this is a game that they should they should win. But as you mentioned, the the, the Patriots at home, they are. They, I can. There's a good chance that they can get up here. You know, last week they got that clutch win, and two weeks ago against Buffalo, they should have won. They arguably should have taken that home as well. So they're not that far off from the rest of the rest of the, the good teams in the league and nothing. So this has been a close one. Yeah, it's a good point because I think an interesting point to mention is um, after you know a number of weeks having struggled, I think Ken Newton really got his mojo back last year against the Jets. Obviously, he played you know well for the game and he led that game in drive to get the win there. So if he can get in that good form, I don't see why it couldn't blow up an upset. But I think the Ravens are in the box seat to win this game. Our uh, second last leg is Tennessee to beat Indianapolis at Nissan Stadium on Thursday Night Football. Um, the Colts lost against the Ravens and the Titans uh, beat the Bears, you know, in what was a pretty dominant win overall. Back at home again, the Titans, I think they're going to be pretty hard to beat. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think it's going to be quite a defensive game, to be honest. I think Titans are definitely going to look to run the ball a lot more because Colts' secondary is much better than their um, run defense. I think we can all agree on that. Um, so it, it's going to be defensive, but I, the Colts' offense, I don't know, it's just... It's nowhere near the level it needs to be right now to uh, compete with uh, higher up, higher teams, with better teams. So um, the, the defense did well to contain Lamar Jackson for, for a bit of the game, but you know, once once it stops, their offense just can't keep up, and that's really what's going to be their Achilles heel. That uh, our final leg of this week's multi is the Bears to beat uh, the Vikings at Soldier Field. The Vikings have uh, traditionally struggled at Soldier Field. The last time they beat the Bears in Chicago was um, in Mitchell Trubisky's debut game. So I feel like even despite the Bears like is really struggling in offense, I feel like having lost three in a row, this is a good potential um, for a bounce back win, a bounce back game, especially if Matt Nagy, you know, potentially gives up play calling duties this week. Yeah, I, I really think this game personally solely relies on the Bears' ability to stop Delvin Cook. And I'm a big fan of the Bears' run defense. I I definitely think they have the potential. Obviously, they don't have to stop him, but if they can slow him down, obviously not let him get over 200 yards as the Lions did last week, then that will go a long way for the Bears to win that game. Yeah, I just think their offense definitely has to step up because even if they do manage to stop Delvin Cook, their offense can't do anything pretty much like they did against the Titans last week. There's not going to do anything for them. So, because while they may slow down Dalvin Cook, that's not going to prevent the Vikings from scoring. I do expect this to be a low-scoring game. But I can't see the Bears, you know, relying on their defense to win this game. It really has to be the offense that steps up and puts up a much better performance than they did against the Titans because that was hard to watch. Kirk, it is uh, worth mentioning that Kirk Cousins has not beaten the Bears during the Matt Nagy era, so it is going to come down to Dalvin Cook versus the defense. But I have pretty good faith in the Bears' defense to be able to slow him down. Um, the last time that they did meet at Soldier Field, I don't think he eclipsed 30 yards on the ground, so we'll see how he goes this time. That is multi madness for this week. Um, up next, we have a minute to watch. Already. Um, last week, said I had the Miami Dolphins. To, um, I didn't expect them to win, I expected them to keep it close against Cardinals. And they won so good on them. Uh, 
as I said, defense definitely took a lot of pressure off Tua, but Tua did um, come up clutch in some good moments. Definitely, uh, he used his legs on one point, which was really good to see. Uh, it's just great seeing Kyle Murray versus Tua Tango by along. That's two of the Heisman candidates few years back. Um, yeah, it's great to see them play at a very high level in the NFL. My team to watch this week, we talked about them at the start of the episode. Um, it is the New York Giants. They face the Philadelphia Eagles at home. Uh, they did lose in their first meeting by one point. That was a really close game, but that was in Philly. I expect the Giants to win this one. Honestly, they haven't been playing that bad. Um, they, they kept it close against the Buccaneers, and they, they did get a win, a good win, against the Washington football team last week. So if they can build off that momentum, I can definitely see them beating the Eagles. And beyond that, that means that, as I said before, they'll have good records against their division opponents. Obviously, they have a tough schedule, but it's these games they need to win, and this could potentially send them to the playoffs, who knows? Yeah, I think the last time they got these two teams managed up was only a couple of weeks ago. Yep. Um, you know, it was a one-school game that came down to the wire. Yeah. So I think, obviously, the Giants have been that game, but I feel like this matchup, the two teams, they're very similar to the form. Uh, you know, just the, just the grand screen of things, they're just similar teams at the moment. So yeah. I think that, I want to say it's a revenge game, but I can certainly see the Giants winning this in a close one. That is the easiest thing to watch going into week 10. Now, we have TDU's game of the week up next, and we have chosen the uh, Cardinals at home against the Bills as this week's um, game of the week. And uh, the Cardinals come in at 5-3, and three, while the Bills come in at 7-2, and two, so it should be a good contest. As usual, we have got our four aspects of the game, which we're going to run through, and I'm going to kick it off with who has the better offense and uh, personally, I think Cliff Kingsbury's air raid offense is the better of these two offenses. That's not a knock, however, on Buffalo's offense. Obviously, Josh Allen has been, um, you know, pretty good for the majority of his season. He's had a couple of down games before last week, but this um, pass game against Seattle was definitely a step back in the right direction. However, I'm going to go with the offense that leads the league in offensive yards at 422 yards per game. They also rank sixth in the league in points per game. So I'm expecting a high scoring game, but I'm also expecting a Cardinals win. Okay, so I have the defense this week. And honestly, this is a really difficult one to pick. I mean, this time last year, I probably would have picked the Buffalo Bills. But this week, I'm going with the Cardinals. I think that the Bills give up too much yardage on defense. I know they're great at causing turnovers, but... I personally think overall the Cardinals have a better defense. They they get quite a few sacks. They have a really fast game plan on defense. I think that with players like Buddha Baker and obviously, I mean, we, we've been seeing a bit of Isaiah Simmons these last couple of weeks after his strong showing against Seattle. So I think these kind of players are real playmakers, those kind of people you want on your defense. And the Cardinals are definitely the better defense for me right now. Obviously, they didn't have the best outing last week against the Dolphins, but I reckon they can bounce back. Alrighty. Um, I've got the better coaching this week, and I've gone with the Buffalo Bills. I do think they're one of the most well-coached teams in the league. And a big part of that is you just look at Josh Allen's improvement over since his rookie season and his drastic leap this season in his um, play, in his how he plays. Um, i got to give it to Sean McDermott and the rest of the coaching staff. I think that their game plan going into Seattle was really good. A lot, a lot of teams would have been very overconfident going into this game because they had just been um, a division rival that they hadn't been in ages. So 
to come into this game against Seattle and pretty much pretty dominate from, from the get-go, right? Josh Allen balled out. The offense completely um, destroyed the Seattle defense. A lot of that was on the offense coordinator and that perfectly executed game plan. Uh, but also on the defensive side, to be able to really stop Russell, knock him down 16 times, I believe, and just completely neutralize that offense for the majority of the game, give up garbage time yards. Who cares about that? Um, yeah, I've got to give it to Sean McDermott and the Bills for coaching. There's more momentum of going with the Buffalo Bills. That's off their record. The last few games they've played, you know, against Seattle, against, you know, uh, the Patriots and the Jets, they've played really well so far. And it wasn't for the Cardinals. They got that, they, they got that field goal in that game against the Dolphins. I'm having going with the Dolphins for a moment. Sorry, Dolphins. The, the Cardinals for more momentum here. But, you know, the Jets, they're having, my goodness, the, the Bills, they're having a great season so far. They're 7-2. They're leading the AFC, uh, AFC East by two games. So they're really in a good position at the moment. And I think they've got more momentum based off their offense and defense. Man. They're playing really well. Final score predictions? Yeah, I think it's going to be a high score on game. I think we'll see 34 to 31 game. You know, I'm going to Oh, sorry. Um, the Bills. All right. Yeah, I'm going to go even higher than that. I think it's going to be an absolute dominant shootout because the Cardinals defense isn't that good. Neither is the Bills, to be honest. Yeah. I'm going to go with a, oh, wow. this is tough. I'm going to go 40 to, 30, 40 to 35 bills. Why not? All right. I think I'm going to go 35, 31 through the bills. I'll go with 31, 28 Cardinals. Now, that is Tedious game of the week for week 10. The last segment, all reaction, boys. Yes. All right, Jack, for your first statement, the Chiefs and Steelers will not meet each other in the playoffs. Um, well, I've got no way to tell, honestly, but I feel like it's an overreaction to call at this point. I think they could meet in um, uh, the a the AFC Championship game. Um, obviously, I, I have no way to tell uh, this early, um, but I do think that they will both go deep in the playoffs, so there is you know, some chance of a meeting late on. And I think if they do make it'll be in the championship game. The Panthers can still make the playoffs. That's uh, so our reaction, uh, Arif. They have lost a few too many close games to contend with. You know, not only the rest of the NFC, the, uh, not only the rest of their NFC South rivals, but the rest of the NFC. Um, as we've talked about, it is quite competitive, and I just don't think they've won enough games. They've. They played well, but fell short against both the Chiefs and Falcons in the last two weeks, and it's just not going to cut it because they're going to make finals, unfortunately. All right, so the next statement. There is no favourite to win the NFC at the moment. To win the NFC? Um, mm, yeah, that, that's actually fairly real right now, Anthony. Um, there are a lot of teams are in the same kind of tier, I'd say. I think you know, in tier one, you've got teams like the Buccaneers, Saints, Packers, Seahawks. Out of those you know, four teams, I, I don't feel as if there's one, you know, really clear standout. I think if the Buccaneers had to beat the Saints last week, I'd say the Buccaneers, but to lose in the fashion they lost, I think, you know, they're all around the same area. So each of those four teams have their own kind of faults, but yeah, so I, I can't pick a very right now. All right. Um, next segment for you, Jack. Deshaun Watson's talent is being wasted in Houston. Absolutely real, Emilian. Um, as a Deshaun Watson... In, uh, Deshaun was an owner in fantasy. I, I can say that <laughs> having to watch him um, play for the Texans in that offense is quite sad. And 
as a Bears fan myself, having to see him play for the Texans and not the Bears is an even bigger sadness to me. So it is indeed sad to watch him waste away in uh, a city like Houston. All right, Jack. If this if the Chargers were completely healthy, they'd be second in the AFC West right now. Um, it's hard to say, but I think I'm leaning more towards real. Um, not only if they have more um healthy players, but if they, I th- yeah, I think I think to have a couple of those players healthy would have kind of put them over the edge in some of those close games that they lost. And um, I think a lot of those a lot of those close games could have put you in a position where. Um, that they would be either neck and neck or above the Raiders in the division. All right, to finish things off for this episode, the Steelers' close game against the Cowboys is boring for them. Boring? Yeah. Uh, that's not a reaction. I feel like a, I think I feel like good teams win ugly sometimes. Yeah. You know, it's not always going to be a flashy, you know, really great offensive and defensive performance. Sometimes you're going to have little slip-ups, slip-ups along the way, but the good teams always find a way to battle their way through and win. Even if, get, even if, if, even if it's against a, you know, a lesser team or if it, even if, it, if they win ugly sometimes, I feel like just to get the win in the end is what's important and I don't think it's worrying at all, especially after they come from a massive win last week against the Ravens. I feel like um, to come up with the win you know, after being down big, I think you know, I, I wouldn't be worried about a Steelers fan at all. This is undefeated. That is the end of episode 25 of the Touchdown podcast. We hope you enjoyed it today. If you haven't already, make sure you follow us on Instagram. There's at touch.down.under. There's where we post all of our podcasts and non-podcast content. We're also, uh, we also upload our podcasts to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. It's at touchdownunder. We hope you guys enjoyed today's episode, and we'll see you next week. See you later.